Welcome to the Finding a Job Podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, we share the stories of world-class business leaders as they discuss their professional journeys, job search strategies, and tactics that have led them to career success. If you're looking to find a fulfilling, well-paying career path, this podcast will unearth the tools and tips you need to expedite your learning curve and avoid common roadblocks that face people entering the working world. Now here's the host of the Finding a Job podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the Finding a Job podcast. Today, we're going to talk to a digital marketer and educator and all-around wonderful resource for all things related to finding a job. Jacqueline Mullen is the Program Lead and Chief Instructional Officer of Digital Marketing at GreenFig, which is an educational technology company that partners with universities to help job seekers land a job in digital marketing. She is also the president of the Alumni Association in Southern California for her alma mater, the University of Miami. That's the one in Florida, not Ohio. And she's a mentor for the University of Southern California's Master of Science in Marketing program. And today, Jacqueline is going to tell us about her life working in digital marketing and education. Okay, here's my conversation with Jacqueline Mullen, program lead and instructor at GreenFig. Jacqueline, welcome to the Finding a Job podcast. Ben, thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk with you. You're like our perfect guest. You work in digital marketing, something that I do as well. So we've got lots to talk about. You are involved with universities and you're an educator. I feel like there's so much that we can talk about that's going to be useful for the people that are looking for a job. Let's start off with talking a little bit about you, your background, and your career. Talk to me about the first job you had and what was the transition like coming out of college for you? Sure. I mean, going back to my first job, I actually participated in a work-study program in high school. So I had my first job at 14, where I actually worked for a local restaurant. It was a barbecue business back then. And quickly within that, you know, ninth grade to 12th grade span had at least 10 different jobs. And I participated in an organization called DECA. And DECA is a marketing club that predominantly is in high schools in the East Coast and, you know, the Midwest. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody that's listening, if you've heard of it out in the West Coast. But I always knew back then that I wanted to go into the field of marketing. Now, what happened when I got to college was I discovered this major called music business. And that really resonated with me because I had been a performing artist all the while working these jobs in high school. And so to me, I was like, oh, people actually earn a living by working in the music industry. What are some of those job titles? What are some of those directions and options that I might be able to have? And, you know, uniquely enough at my alma mater, the University of Miami, we would bring in experts from all facets of the industry. So at the time, I was really entertaining going into more of the, you know, artist and repertoire side. That's what they call A&R. I was really interested in how do we, you know, seek this talent that hasn't yet come to the market and develop their brand and use all that fundamental traditional marketing to turn this brand into you know, merch and all these things. But I couldn't find an A&R job in South Florida. 
And so I actually, one of my first jobs out of college was part-time and I was working for Clear Channel Radio and I was a part of the promotions department. And that really kind of set me off on what I'd call like a very, you know, windy path to where I am today, which is a digital marketing educator and subject matter expert. So it's interesting to me that, A, you had work experience early on, right? You were used to working. And so maybe the sort of integration into uh, being a career professional wasn't as shocking to you as it is for some people who don't have a lot of work experience. But you were interested in working in the music space and had a background scholastically focused on marketing. And your career has gone a different direction. You never decided to continue down the path of being an ARR and instead focused on digital marketing. Talk to me about why that transition happened and how did you get from your original focus coming out of college for your career into the field that you're in today? Well, that's a really great question. And I think a lot of students in this day and age, a lot of graduates can relate. It really boiled down to what was happening, disruption. So while I'm going to the University of Miami, I actually was majoring in music and minoring in marketing. So my long-term goal was to write music and to very much be on the artist side of the industry. But, you know, I was like, how do you monetize that, right? So what happened was literally one week, I'm in this music business forum where we had all these professionals come in from the industry. And our professor says to us, there's this thing called the internet. There's this thing called the MP3, and it is about to disrupt our industry, and we have no idea what the consequences or results of this are going to be. Now, I can distinctively remember being in the auditorium on campus at University of Miami, hearing about this MP3 and saying, well, what is this thing you're describing? And the professor saying it's an invisible form of music. You can't touch it. You can't see it. But, you know, you get it from this thing called the internet. And the skepticism that myself and my classmates had with regard to how this thing would take off and quote unquote disrupt the music industry was like, yeah, right. But the reality set in slowly as the internet started to really entrench, you know, the music industry first, and the internships weren't there. And, you know, the departments got cut, like A&R was scrambling to, you know, as the independent artists started to be able to bring their music online. And so by nature, I kind of was like, applying for these different jobs back then, and the internet hadn't even hit the penetration that it is right now, and saying to myself, okay, what's next? And at that time, with the fork in the road, I think the biggest thing for anybody who is trying to get that first job especially in their industry, is the reality sets in that you might have to, you know, take a different direction for the time being. And you keep the long-term goal of what you want in mind, or maybe that long-term goal changes. But initially, my first job was actually on the broadcasting side. And it was a lot more, you know, street marketing or experiential marketing, as we describe it in this day and age. And I think one thing that's important and that I always kind of held true to was that What's my thread at the end of the day? Like, even if I, if I didn't have a chance to do music, like, what do I know to be these inherent strengths that I really love following and tapping into? And marketing was always there because it was about connecting with people, telling stories, creating experiences. And so I've, you know, morphed, if you will, as a consequence or a result of all of this innovation that's happened. And I don't regret it. I mean, that's the thing I think, Ben, that's like the real takeaway here is that 
things actually turned out better than I could have ever believed wanting to go, I got to be in the music industry. I have to be an A&R. It's funny. I have a background in music and like to sing and play the guitar. And that was always a very important passion and a hobby for me. And growing up, I always thought I was going to be a rock star. And then my mm-hmm. career happened. The next thing you know, I was like selling water coolers door to door, trying to get into marketing because I wanted to pay my bills. And it's funny how, I guess the line is you get what you deserve, not what you want. And it ended up being a great thing for me. Obviously, I never ended up being a rock star. But the things that I took out of that passion and what I learned really helped me in marketing, right? I learned how to communicate and how to have inflection in my voice, which helps me to be a podcaster. You know, let me, instead of singing you a song, I tell you a story. The things that you're passionate about, which don't end up working for you in your career, don't end up being your career, your hobbies, still provide an incredible amount of value. And you took the storytelling angle and sort of the business take on being in music to move your career forward and looked for an area where there was technology and disruption. You've also had a lot of experience in education. So talk to me about how you've worked in education and why the overlap in technology and education was interesting to you. And tell me a little bit about what you're doing today. Sure. Well, one of the things I can say, again, was pretty clear to me while I'm sitting in those college courses was long term, I wanted to be able to go back to my alma mater and be a professor. And I was like, I don't know at what point in my career that will happen. But that was just very, very lightning bolt clear to me. And so what happened, you know, again, describing this winding road that I've actually really enjoyed, you know, driving on. After my job in broadcasting, I was making about 10 to $12 an hour out of college with student loans, which I'm sure a lot of you know, listeners can relate to. And an opportunity came along in business development for a payroll company, the complete opposite of music and marketing. And you know, the thing that really attracted me to that particular company was the salary and the mentorship. My family friend at the time was like, I'm going to take you under my wing. You're going to make commission. You'll be able to pay off your student loans. And all that to say that I had these traditional sales representatives that I was working with at that company that were just starting to grasp digital marketing, much less trade show marketing. I mean, these are people that were going, we'd call them like inside or outside sales reps in this day and age, but they were so used to dealing with, you know, the cold calling and literally driving their car and taking people out to lunch and the internet has disrupted that. And I come in as this college graduate with this marketing background with all these ideas for what we need to do with our collateral and our brochures. And I started training them at the time on copywriting. And my first foray into education was actually really that of maybe more of a corporate trainer. And eventually my boss was like, okay, you're a people person, you know, you're a good communicator, you're ready to go out into the business development field. So now we layered on an additional level of education and training because I would have to go out to my clients. And at the time, the majority of these clients that I was selling to were actually immigrant business owners. They had no idea what outsourcing their payroll meant or, you know, what the legality or, you know, that relationship was like, I have this business and you're going to come in here and run my payroll. So once again, I was put in this trainer role where now I'm actually doing customer onboarding and really explaining and educating my customers on all the features, benefits, 
of the product that we're selling and making sure that it wasn't like, you have to buy this in 24 hours or the price goes away, but let's make sure that you're really comfortable with what you're investing in from an education standpoint. And then what happened was I quickly grasped that as much as I appreciated being in business development and selling HR consulting services to the hospitality sector, a lot of those clients started to deal with reputation management. And they're coming to me like I'm getting hammered on these social sites. Like people are the Yelps of the world, the chip advisors, the, you know, all those things. So I abruptly left the HR consulting and started freelancing and then found my way by way of networking into starting to actually be a freelancer for some agencies out here in Los Angeles. And those agencies had me training my team internally on things like copywriting and social media. Some of these things that were brand new, but given that strong marketing background, that experiential marketing background and music background, I really easily understood because it wasn't about the brand and what we wanted to say. It was about what type of experience were we creating for these fans online and were we listening to, you know, those fans or were we just ignoring them and trying to go through with our four P's of marketing. So I found myself as a corporate trainer first And that was really the leap pad to slowly but surely getting into the lecturer side of things and the educator side of things. And that's been now six, seven years where I've actually been a lecturer rather and distinguished faculty for some pretty prominent ed tech companies, inclusive of General Assembly and Greenfig. So it's interesting to me, and I see sort of the storyline here of I took the things that I was inherently good at in communicating and telling a story. And I was able to use that as a job and become a marketing and a copywriter. Then I was able to use the same skills and help educate people on the things that I had learned. And so now you're taking all the communication skills that you're developing as an aspiring performing artist, building a niche in a career for yourself, finding sort of a secondary niche where you're focusing on education, which helped you get to where you are today. Talk to me a little bit about your role at Greenfig. What does the company do in more detail? What do you do? And why is that the right career path for you? Sure. I mean, the thing that really attracted me to working with Greenfig, we are a market-driven education company and we partner with universities. And the reason why that's so critical and that that jargon, market-driven, it's like, well, what does that mean? That means that we are actually looking at what companies are hiring for in the technological arena, the digital sector. We're going to universities with programs that they currently may not have as robust as we have in our catalog, primarily because the Green Fig Differentiator is something that we call an apprenticeship project. So, you know, a lot of times students say, well, I can watch a tutorial on YouTube or I've taken a digital marketing class online, but there isn't experience actually executing a campaign that they can speak to. And at Greenfig, we actually have this apprenticeship project where over the course of our long form program, you are led by a live instructor such as myself or my colleagues. You're going through different tactics of digital marketing. You're working on a real world business that is aligned with Greenfig and has said, hey, I'm going to give you my analytics. I've got this current situation or problem that I need this to be solved. And together in real time, we're applying what we're talking about tactically and theoretically to the actual case scenario of that business. And by the time that students complete the course, they now have experience that they can speak to. 
not only, you know, Ben, to your point, is it the digital experience, right? The communication experience. It's really hard to teach someone communication. That's something that you have to practice and have some self-awareness and be able to really master. And I think that's what's really exciting about what we're doing over at GreenFig as far as the ed tech sector and face is concerned. I think one of the things that's interesting to me is we've hit a tipping point now where people like you and me, when we were graduating from college, had an advantage because we understood some of the technologies that were new and how things were moving towards the digital landscape. And now everyone is so well versed in how technology works that we have to track backwards and think about how not just to run marketing campaigns, not just how to get a message in front of someone, but how to actually communicate the point that we're trying to build, right? Going back to the storytelling and some of the other, you know, you were mentioning before the booze and schmooze type of marketing, but the point of that was to actually build relationships. As you've built your career in marketing and technology, have you seen a trend towards digital marketing being the focus? And what are some of the lessons that people that are interested in starting in digital marketing need to understand to be successful at it? Well, sure. I mean, when I mentor the students at USC, I mean, one of the most common questions or one of the most common themes that I hear is I say to them, what what is it about marketing or digital marketing that excites you most? And I think it's this fact that digital marketing can actually be applied to almost every industry in this day and age, right? Years ago, there were certain industries that were still moat, you know, protected from having to adhere to digital marketing. But where we are at this day and age, whether it's MarTech or social media marketing or paid ads, pretty much every industry is in fact embracing digital. And so the thing that attracts a lot of people to this career field are the opportunities. There are so many different directions that you can go in digital marketing, whether you want to be more of the quantifiable, you know, marketing analyst and looking at the data and trying to derive sense from the numbers, or like we've been talking about, you're really enamored with the idea of how do I communicate the story and the essence of my brand and get it out there into the world? Or maybe you actually have to be the person who's creating the type of content, whether that be static photo content or video content. I mean, there's just so much opportunity that exists out there. Now, one of the common things that I'm seeing as a result of everybody being adopters of these technologies, especially on the consumer side, is, you know, how do you lead? How do you collaborate? How do you understand the more emotional intelligence that I think for those of us that had a little bit, uh, one foot in the digital wave, one foot in traditional marketing, we were masters of like reading body language and, you know, really trying to be in tune with various cues and, you know, really thinking about less working individually behind a computer and a screen and more with regard to, you know, how do we cultivate leadership and what do we do to, you know, establish a team. And so I think there's a great opportunity in this day and age for, you know, college students to really be intentional about that collaboration piece, because these tools and digital marketing give us this illusion that we are really collaborative because we're connecting. But there's a major difference between, you know, I'm connecting with people and sharing thoughts versus I have to motivate people as part of my career and lead a team and even understand how to handle, you know, when when a campaign goes awry in digital, right? Like, being able to, you know, rein your team in and and get everybody back on the same page. 
So I'd say that the intrigue is there because of all the different directions and ways that you can go with it. And what I would recommend everybody do is think about that people management piece that you can't learn by watching a YouTube tutorial. I think there's an important differentiation between contacting and communicating and actually connecting with people. And honestly, that's something that takes time and experience and, you know, real world situations to really master. And it's one of the reasons why people mature and become better managers as they get later in their careers. They've just had more reps dealing with people and understanding what's been successful for them and really understanding what's their true authentic tone I'm curious to know what advice you have for people that are interested in following a career path to get into digital marketing and specifically to get into ed tech, to you know, follow your career path. What advice do you have for the college students that are interested in what you do? I mean, I would say it goes back to what I've done, which I hope models this idea of, you know, you can look at data this day and age that tells you go in this direction, right? Like data science right now, like data science field is so hot and in demand. And there's all these jobs and looking at the salary. If you are not a data science person, you can't fit yourself into that mold, right? I think at the end of the day, you really need to align and it sounds so cliche, but like, what are you passionate about? What are these hobbies that you could bring into the career fold? For me, with regard to why I really love being an educator, it's the impact side. One of the best byproducts of being an educator is seeing that you are a catalyst for people either learning something new or being able to open up career opportunities or travel opportunities that perhaps they didn't even realize would be there right beyond their reach. For anybody that's interested in going into the ed tech side of the industry, it's certainly an emerging aspect. I would say start thinking about, you know, it's different than product design in what you might see for an e-commerce company or a service facing company, software as a service company. But, you know, we do have a product in ed tech and that product is our curriculum. So instructional design, if you're intrigued to teach online or to help people you know, learn technology or digital marketing or leadership, really, I would start to say, lean into the instructional design of things. And if I could go back, I would still probably keep my music degree with a minor in marketing, but maybe I would also have double majored in that instructional design piece because the way that we communicate information to somebody who's trying to learn is very critical. With that said, the other part I would layer on, and this is mutually beneficial for somebody going into marketing as well as the ed tech space, understand how the brain processes information. So, you know, there's some psychology there, there's some neuroscience there. We're starting to see a lot of neuromarketing emerge. It's always been in that field, but it was more readily available to some of the big consumer-facing companies for the psychologists of the world. So I would say pairing your knowledge base with You need to know your craft really well, obviously. You need to understand how do you create a course that is clearly communicated and is set up to drive student results and outcomes in a direct fashion. And also, do you understand the way the brain handles information, how to keep somebody's attention, that neuromarketing, instructional design, and being a master of your craft are all things that I would encourage somebody to intentionally think about. And to just remember, like you're saying, it takes time to learn to be a leader. While I believe we can all learn from everybody every day, I've had to grow into 
my, you know, skill set as an instructor and as an educator, right? And the first year was a little bit experimentive, but I had a great instructional coach. So talk to other people who are in the ed tech space as well and ask them for feedback with regard to how you instruct and make sure you're getting feedback most importantly from your students, which is something that we're very big on and adamant about at GreenFig. You know, I think the thing that sticks out the most to me is that a lot of the times you don't pick your career, it just finds you. And, you know, as much as you might want to go and go down one career path, you mentioned be a data scientist. If you're not inherently a good quantitative thinker and don't have the skill sets that make a great data science, it's not that you can't understand it and find employment. You just might be more successful somewhere else. And I think that you're a good example of finding a role that is a natural fit for your core strengths. So with that said, I appreciate you coming on the show and telling us a little bit about digital marketing, about ed tech. It's been great to connect and thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me and thank you everybody for listening. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Finding a Job podcast. Thanks to Jacqueline Mullen for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Jacqueline, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet. Her handle is Jacqueline Mullen, J-A-C-K-L-Y-N-M-U-L-L-E-N. Or you can visit her company's website, which is greenfig.com, G-R-E-E-N-F-I-G.com. A couple of links in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, just head over to FAJ Pod, which stands for Finding a Job, pod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the Finding a Job podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We would love to hear from you. So we created FAJPod.com slash question, where you can send us your topic suggestions or your job search questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. Our handle is FAJPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much everywhere. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of job search tips and tricks in your podcast feed, we publish episodes multiple times during the week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back in your feed soon. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to keep networking and stay positive. Stay positive.